Peace and love, family. I am your host, Seldom Seen, and this is the John Muhammad Podcast Show. And today, my guest is a brother that I met in Grand Rapids on an independent film that was being made. Uh, he was part of the crew, and I quickly seen that he was one of the go-to guys and that the information that he would bring to the crew helped to make that movie, uh, take that movie to the next level. And now uh, this brother is working through his own company, Visionary Media. Not only does he work with film, but he's also working with the Vietnam vets here in the uh, United States. And so we want to talk a little bit more about that. So without further ado, all my fans and followers, show love for we got Travis Vandenberg in the building. How you doing, bro? I'm doing great. How are you? Good, 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 good. I'm glad you came on, man, because we want to you want to hear about what 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 you've been doing lately and some of your plans for the future and uh, some of the work that you've been putting in uh, with the Vietnam with the with the vets. That's uh, yeah. uh, here in Michigan. So, um, yeah. And it's it's not just Vietnam vets. It's all vets. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, just to just to, you know, kind of start off um i was actually in the military when i decided i wanted to go into video production okay uh, i was deployed in iraq at the time and this was 2004 so you know i guess wow. i'm going to date myself first thing right. um <laughs> yeah everybody's all like wow this guy's old um, <laughs> we both are but, <laughs> yeah but you don't look it you don't look it um but yeah, no, I was, uh, I was overseas and, you know, I mean, it's really stressful, uh, when you're deployed. Um, right. and, uh, you know, I was, I was doing a lot of writing then and I realized that it, it kind of helped me deal with things and, and get some stuff out. Um, and, uh, you know, I decided that, you know, maybe if I told the right story, I could help people, I could help other people, uh, kind of inspire them or, um, you know, help them maybe look at life in a different way that would motivate them or, or help them be better people. And right. at the same time, you know, uh, if, if you're in this industry and you actually are successful, the money and platforms that come with that, let you help so many more people. I mean, if you look at, um, you know, well, so Ashton Kutcher comes to mind, um, okay. because he, he's not doing a lot of films, uh, anymore right. because he's, literally out there with like the FBI um, saving people who are uh, being human trafficked, mm. you know, and, know and yeah, no, I, that's the thing. Like I never liked Ash and Kutcher until I learned that about him. Um, mm. I was all, cause he was on that 70 show and I was always like, right. Oh, this is a guy right. who made his career like being the attractive guy on that 70 show, you know, he's like the hot guy on that 70 show. Right. And he had a terrible haircut back. That was just like, I don't even <laughs> like to look at your face, you know? And uh, maybe that was what was popular in the 70s. I don't know, right. you know? Um, and, uh, and then I hear that he's doing that. And I'm like, well, I have to reevaluate my whole thought of this guy. He's not some guy that just like implanted this thought into people's heads that, you know, Oh, well, right. I'm the hot guy. So, you know, all the women want to watch me on TV or right. you know, whatever. You know, and then he got popular that way. No, he's actually a decent human being. Um, hmm. Wow. Uh, and wow. So, yeah, let me let me issue a very public apology to Ashton Kutcher. Uh, I'm sure he cares about my opinion so much. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Right. Uh, oh, oh, maybe you might hear this. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. Well, yeah. either way, uh, you know, I hope, hope that he keeps up the good work. Um, because I know that he's actually turned down film projects and probably millions of dollars to keep doing this. And that, yeah. you know, that's a hero, in my opinion. That is a hero. He turns down a lot of money so that he can actually help people who are suffering. Wow. Um, wow. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I had but, no idea that that's what he was into. I, I noticed that. He wasn't doing movies like he used to. But then I figured, you know, you get to a certain point, you got enough money coming in. So, you know, why not go and just live it up a little bit? But I had no idea yeah. who was involved in all of that. And that, that says a lot about his character. It, it really does. Um, and I, I haven't seen anything like recent stats, but I know that the number of people that he'd helped save uh, a few years back was in the triple digits. So over a hundred people that he's, you know, been directly involved in uh, helping and getting them out of the terrible situations that go along with that. Um, I'm sure we don't want to get too deep into, you know, what, what happens there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's not a very pleasant topic. Yeah. Um, but back to the, back to the VFW uh, national home. Um, mm -hmm. So there, that's where I'm currently working and my job title there. Uh, is officially historian, which is very, you know, I don't think it's incredibly descriptive of everything that I do, but mm -hmm. I have to do a whole lot. Um, so I do all their video and photography. Okay. Uh, all right. And, and I've been there all of three weeks. So oh, wow. uh, the job did not exist before I got there. <laughs> okay. 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 So you, yeah, they, they kind of just brought you in and made a job for you, huh? Um, well, they needed to, they needed to. So they, they have a bunch of people who do like their public relations, but everybody watching this, I, I guarantee you, you know, maybe there's a couple of people, but most people are like, there's a VFW national home. Mm -hmm. All right. And if I told you that it was located about 25 minutes outside of Lansing, people mm -hmm. would be like, what, okay. you know? Okay. Um, Nobody knows about it. Yeah. It's the best kept secret in Michigan and it houses over 40 families. Um, it was started in 1925. Uh, and it was originally for like children and widows of veterans who died. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, if you know anything about like that time period, this was a time period where if, uh, if a woman was to walk into a bank and say, you know, my husband died, I need a bank account. They'd be like, well, do you have your father's permission then? We can't ask you for your husband's. Oh, wow. And, and that was, you know, that was a time and it was an ugly time in history. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, but, um, so this was created basically for for that uh and um actually they gave me something to read by the way anything that i say about the vf national uh the vfw national home right mm -hmm. now i am not uh none of that is my or none of that is their opinion okay it's all you know it's all on me so don't think that i am speaking for the home itself right. uh if i say anything that might be considered you know um, okay. controversial or anything gotcha. but um yeah. So the VFW National Home was born out of a desire to honor those who served our country by helping their families and has been doing so since 1925. Okay. Um, and uh, their mission statement is the VFW National Home assists military veterans and their families with children by creating a foundation of services and resources to achieve their personal family goals in order to move forward in a positive, safe and healthy environment. Hmm. Um, nice. And as as a veteran who has had a lot of trouble living in the civilian world uh in in the past um it gets better mm -hmm. uh i can say that right when you get out and maybe for for me if you don't if you don't have like the right uh 
you know, group of people, if the right support system, it takes years to get there. Okay. Um, and that has actually hurt me in my film career uh, as well. Mm-hmm. So. Wow. 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 So, okay. You spoke about, um, I read in there when, through your bio about a documentary, something that had to do with uh, kids and firefighters. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So, um, it was like 19, I think 47. All right. The VFW national home used to be completely contained. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. They had their own stores, their own farms. Uh, they still actually own some land that they lease off to other farmers. And that's one of their sources of income, uh, to be able to hold, you know, all these homes and, and house all these veterans. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, they had their own fire department and because it was primarily a, a home for like, uh, children whose families had, had died or couldn't take care of them after, uh, you know, the, the father had died in, in war, um, or, you know, maybe even after war, some veterans get killed right after they come home. It's, it's ridiculous. Right. Um, but you know, there's not like a lot of adult males who were there. So at about the age of 14, uh, they would start training these kids if they wanted to, to be firefighters hmm. and, yeah, they had a teenage force of firefighters. Um, and in the museum, we actually, there's a video clip from uh, from an old 80s show called That's Amazing. And they were featured on it. And it showed that there was a, uh, like a, a test fire set up at a house, like a, like a fire drill, where they actually had to go and uh, put out a fire. Right. And um, from being on the home, like in the fields, to getting to the fire station and going to the home, mm-hmm. their response time was like three minutes. Um, yeah. And so there's these teenagers that are just elite, elite firefighters, um, you know, for their age. And, and, and I guess at all, I mean, three minutes is pretty good time. That's, you're pretty fast. <laughs> yeah. That's real yeah. fast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, they stopped doing this in the eighties. I guess that's when, you know, a lot of things changed. Uh, you know, you used to be considered an adult at like 15, 16 okay. um, in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but then, you know, things changed in the eighties. They stopped doing the program. I don't know if it was for liability reasons or maybe the, you know, the director at the time is just like, look, we can't do this. Mm-hmm. You know, these are kids. I don't want any of these children dying because they're trying to put out a fire, you know? Okay. Um, I don't know the reason behind it yet. You know, keep in mind, I've only been there for like three weeks, but this, like just the concept of this kind of grabbed my attention. Um, And uh, so we're going to start looking at grants pretty soon. And uh, one of the, one of the beautiful things about this though, is that a lot of these kids made careers in uh, like firefighting after they got out, they were already trained. They already had Mm -hmm. experience. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like in, in today's world, that's right. There is half of a job interview right there. Exactly. You know, yeah. Yeah. So if, you know, if you can go into a firefighting uh, station and say, I want a job here, I've been trained, I've been certified. I have four years of experience. I'm 18 years old. So I've got, you know, 20 years of longevity ahead of me. Right. I mean, that's ready to go. (laughs) Yeah. You're ready to go. You probably are going to get hired. Right. 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 Um, and I think it'll be kind of cool. I want to track down some of these, uh, these, these people, um, you know, I guess I want to call them kids, but they're not kids anymore. Right. Uh, <laughs> and talk to um, them a little bit. 
Yeah, get some interviews. Um, there's some news articles. I want to see, you know, I, I'm sure a bunch of them have saved like tons of lives. Uh, you know, fires are no joke. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, uh, wow. Yeah. Wow. And I'm really excited about that. Yeah. Nice. We're going to be, yeah. We're going to be looking for grants to do that soon. We're trying not to do that, um, you know, with like the, the home's money um, or anything like that, because all that money is earmarked to help veterans. So, uh, we are looking for um, grants to do that. And the, the home has a grant writer. So it's that's one of the projects that I'm going to be working on. Nice, 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 nice. Okay. Well, since we're talking about the kids, uh, you've been involved in a, a couple comic books. You've had something to do with uh, a couple comic book bo- uh, books that came out or whatever. So talk to Talk to us a little bit about that. Well, they haven't. Okay. They haven't come out yet. They haven't okay. come out yet. And that's, um, I pitched a couple of them to source point. Well, I, I pitched one of them to source point okay. a while back. And the, uh, the termination was, you know, you're, you're a new comic book writer. Um, this is an eight issue book. We can't, we can't contract you for it because, um, basically eight issues is, is too long for a first time writer. We can do a four issue book. And that's why I have two, um, but I've been working on these for a few years and I've had a couple, um, you know, industry names look at them uh, and give me some tips. But the, the biggest thing is that in the film industry, you know, I'm always upgrading equipment. I'm always funding, uh, you know, some of my own projects. Um, you know, I haven't had the time or the money uh, to be able to, to do that. Um, I, I'm a writer. I'm not an artist. Uh, okay. All right. If, if you look at my storyboard, you will see a uh, a wealth of stick figure experience. OK, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So but, you know, right now is, is like a well, I would say about five years ago, probably would have been the perfect time because that's when the comic book movie, you know, thing was probably at its peak, yeah. um, you know, but uh, they're still buying comic book uh, licenses and stuff. And, you know, a lot of stuff that's coming out on Amazon, um, Amazon, especially actually is really big into the comic book stuff. And then, okay. you know, Marvel, Disney plus, uh, I mean, that's, that's all they do. <laughs> right. 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 Um, so are, are these comic books more fiction or, uh, yeah. They- yeah. So, um, one of them, all right. Uh, that I, I have it, it's tentatively titled Shinobi, but it might be, you know, we might change it because Shinobi is, is pretty common. Um, but uh, the idea of it is, is there's this, um, there's this family and they're trying to get revenge on the Yakuza for killing their mother. And uh, there's all these different twists, but it's all about uh, like martial arts. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, there's some martial art lore. There's a lot of the information on there about the Yakuza is, um, is stuff that I've researched uh, and, and come up with information. Like, for example, you know, a, a few years back, I say a few, but it's probably been like eight or 10 now. There's that huge earthquake in Japan. Mm-hmm. You remember that? I do. Yeah. The Yakuza actually donated like $6 million uh, to like aid for families um and uh you know it's really funny because they're they're not a good organization by any means you know they're they're like the japanese mafia um but they also like have that fine line kind of like how um 
oh, what's his name? The, the, the mob boss from Ohio, how he was involved with the, uh, the unions and he wanted oh, okay. the union workers. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, a, a lot of mobsters are, are really, it's kind of hypocritical in that they're like, okay, well, we want protection money from businesses in our area. Uh, you know, but also we got to help the working man. Right. 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 Type deal. Um, was that the movie, uh, Jack Nichols and, uh, Danny DeVito, they did a movie about that mob boss. Is that the same one? I think it might be. I think it I might think be. So. Yeah. Yeah. Capone. Was it? No, Capone was from out of Chicago, right? Yeah. Oh, I said Ohio. I think, yeah. I think it's still Capone. I think I'm still oh, thinking Capone. of Capone though. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. That was, we talked- that was uh, Robert De Niro then. Did yeah. a Capone movie. Capone movie, yeah. 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 So. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, talk to us a little bit about um, your online um, museum. What's the purpose of it? All right. Well, this is, again, the VFW National Home thing. Um, and uh, as, as the official historian, we have a museum on, on uh, we call it campus. It's a campus. Um, all right. And, uh, we, you know, the, the home has been there. We're going on our, our centennial. So it's, it's almost a hundred years that this home has been operating and helping veterans. Um, and, uh, we've, we've, we've changed a lot about what it is then. Like now there's a lot of stuff in place to help military families if somebody dies and, and things like that. So now, um, our mission has kind of changed a little bit to, um, helping uh, veterans who get out of uh, combat and out of the war, like transition back into civilian life, which is, I'll tell you from experience, that's not the easiest thing to do. Um, okay. You basically get, you know, trained to kill people for four years and like you have to classify people as enemy or friend. And then you go into the civilian world and your fight or flight reflexes wow. are all screwed up. And yeah, it's, it's not a good place. It's, it's not a good place to be in because, you know, like you, defended your country and then some people are just so you know that they somebody tells them that they can't do something at walmart and they're just their switch flips and wow it's you know um not that i'm saying that we have a lot of people like that at the home necessarily i'm just saying that that's something that can happen (laughs) right right (laughs) you know it's 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 rough it's rough um you know and, and to say nothing of ptsd but uh, so our museum kind of catalogs all the things that have happened through the years. And, you know, there's there's a exhibit about the firefighters. Um, there's exhibits about there's this thing called Buddy Poppy where they sell flowers, these little like handmade flowers. And part of every flower sold is donated to the home and other parts of it go to other VFW projects. Um, but for the longest time you know, they pick a buddy poppy child every year, the person who sells the most flowers or uh, out of people at the home. And there is a tradition that they would present that to the president. Um, They would sell the president a buddy buddy poppy flower. Right. And um, it's been a couple of uh, years since we've done that. I don't know. uh, I Clinton may have been the last president that they, they did that for. Um, Mm -hmm. All right. I, I don't know who the last one was. Maybe it was, uh, one of the bushes. Um, I'm not sure, but, uh, we're, we're trying to start, you know, that tradition up again. Um, anyway, so there's, I mean, there's all this history, there's all this history and, uh, you know, we have this museum, but it's only open when people 
like come to look at it. So, you know, we have a whole museum and people who are like alumni of the program can come and look at it. Uh, we have like, you know, if we have uh, important people from like the VFW um, or the military order of the Cootie, um, which is like a VFW group that has uh, really donated a lot to the home. Um, right. Like if they come, we can open up the museum and we can, we can show them uh, things. Right. But most of the time it's just, it's sitting there um, and it's a nice museum too. Like people have donated money to keep it really, you know, looking great. Okay. Um, and it's very modern. So it's actually probably one of the most modern things about the home now that I think about it. Okay. Uh, wow. If we can take that, we can put that online and I have to archive like everything. We have tons of stuff in archives. Um, I actually found uh, like an old camera that was used to film some of the reels uh, of, you know, of, of old film stock that they have the other day that was just sitting in a vault. Nobody knew it was there and nobody knew what it was until I was all like, oh, my God, this is, you know, a Hasselblad camera. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so we have just a ton of different things. If we can put that online so everybody can look at it all the time then we are maximizing like the use of that music, like what it is. And we're letting so many other people experience what this is. And, right. you know, 40, we have 40 some homes right now. And they started from just a couple, um, you know, one, and everybody always starts with, you know, every project starts with one. Um, right. But if you think over a hundred years, how many people may have like lived in those homes, um, right for a while it was like an orphanage. So they had like families of kids and they'd had, uh, have, house moms okay. um that would take care of like you know maybe five or six or seven kids and those oh. kids grew up they had their own kids so yeah how many hundreds of people who have history with this place and you know like maybe that some of them can come back and look at this stuff but most of them won't ever get the chance yeah, right. we should right. give them that chance right um right. and you know also in that is is tons of history about people who may have been their grandparents there's newspaper articles um about people who have connected with the home uh who have been raised there um right. and so yeah as a historian and a photographer my whole you know idea is um well i can take pictures of all, all these things i've got to catalog them anyway pictures will help catalog them why not just throw all that information up on the internet right um that's another thing that we're going to seek grants out for but you know, a documentary can take a lot of money, whereas this, you know, um, I honestly think that we could probably set it up for several years with like $3,000. Okay. Um, and we could, you know, we could get everything set up for the online account. Um, and then there are companies that actually do this. And I think with like $3,000, we can not only like pay for all the software and everything that we need, mm -hmm. but actually... You know, um, and there are government grants specifically for things like that. So or, you know, other grants, uh, nice. civilian grants, non-government. Right. So I, I think this is going to be pretty easy. Um, it's not exactly a video project. It is a okay. photography project. OK. Um, but yeah. Nice, nice, nice. So talk to us a little bit about because I have uh, people in my family who served. And um, I don't know if you went in around the time when there was a war going on, but I always was That's like, yeah, yeah. I always was like, um, how do you have that conversation with your family when 
the service is saying, hey, you got to you got to come and serve. And there's a big war. There's a big fighting, you know, thing going on. And and they know that it's a possibility you may not even come back home. All right. So this is a topic that's really, really hits close to me um, yeah. because I joined uh, my entrance date was June 14th. 2001 okay all right and there's a couple significances of that we are coming out of uh the the uh clinton era where okay. we pretty much got along with everybody there were some peacekeeping missions okay. um but we didn't really have any wars um and then just a few months later on september 11 2001 everybody knows what happened then right uh i was in basic training at that point in time i was in basic training at that point in time um, I should have been out of it. I, me and another person got in a fight and I got recycled okay. in basic training. So all the veterans listening out there are like, wait a minute, that time doesn't make sense. No, okay. that's why. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Some, sometimes people just don't get along and it's a high stress environment. So right. I didn't throw the first punch. Okay. Actually, I didn't throw any punches, but, nope. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, no. So September 11th happens and we are getting ready to do like, there's a final test. I don't remember what it's called, but you go through all these hands-on tasks, like, um, like triaging uh, a battlefield injury, or, you know, you go through and you basically check somebody to see if they're injured, if they have like broken bones, if they have sucking mm -hmm. chest wounds where they're, you know, leaking air out of their side and blood into their lungs and, and things like that, like stuff, you know, and, and just, I guess that description probably tells you how horrific battle can be. Right. Um, but they had us lined up in formation forever. And I actually am trying to make a film about this. Okay. Um, and like my first day in Iraq, which okay. was its own thing. Uh, but we're standing there in formation and we're waiting. And the drill sergeants always made us stand there and wait. And it's a way to train uh, discipline. Okay. But this was ridiculous. Like we were there for like hours. Okay. Um, and I think it was like 11 o'clock ish. And one of the drill sergeant walks over and he's all like at nine, was it like 15, 9, 20 AM, you know, uh, a plane hit one of the twin towers. And I was all like, Oh, what a terrible accident. And then they continue right. on, you know, they're like 10 minutes later, a second plane hit the other tower. Mm. And I'm yeah. like, Oh, it's not sounding like an accident. Not, yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute. That's a terrorist attack. Mm. That means we're going to go to war. Mm -hmm. We're going to go to war. Right. And uh, and that was my September 11th is, you know, the realization that I'm not I joined for college money, man. I wasn't right. right. I, I, you know, I was like, maybe I'll be giving food to people or something in another country if I get deployed. I wasn't thinking that I was going to have to go and like, right. you know, for kill flight. people or shoot guns or. Yeah. You know get blown up yeah. um <laughs> all right all right yeah uh and it was it was an experience um as far as telling your family about it i i just remember my mom cried a whole lot um mm -hmm. and uh and i was just like you know it's okay uh i do communication and you know i mean i'm not sure what it's going to be like over there but mm -hmm. most of the time I won't be like in the front, front lines. 
Um, anybody who was over there knows that like if anybody who traveled wasn't really safe, there was roadside bombs. They called them IEBs. Right. They would just build bombs out of garbage and they would spray shrapnel at soldiers like, you know, hard enough to like rip through your body and your body armor. Wow. Um, like nobody was really safe over there. Nobody, right. nobody, anybody that we have deployed right now, if they're still doing that kind of same stuff and you don't hear about it on the news anymore, but I'm, I'm sure it, it happens. Right. You know, nobody is safe because that's what terrorist warfare is right now um right right, right. and uh no there's there's no way to really tell your family about it um yeah you know there's there's no good way uh wow what i've told people who have kids that are being deployed since then is that you know they're always revising and changing up the training um, to be as effective as possible. Uh, and the training does work. So, you know, as long as they're paying attention, um, most of the time, the people with you are going to look out for you. Right. And, you know, nobody wants to see their buddy uh, get like shot or blown up. And, right. uh, you know, you really do form some lasting bonds when you're over there. So you can't guarantee that anybody's going to be safe you can guarantee that there's people who are going to be looking out for them. Right. Wow. 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 Man, 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 man. Yeah. Um, like I said, I have family members who served and um, yeah, I would notice at times that I might ask a few questions and man, they would just get choked up and they just, they just wasn't ready to talk about certain things. So I knew then they had seen some things and uh, experienced some things that just, you know, it was, you know, hurting to their heart. So, you know, so we, well, we, we definitely appreciate the work you've put in. Let me, let me put it to you like this. In a population where you have people who are more concerned about destroying their enemy than they are about the safety and, and, uh, you know, the, the, the safety of their own family mm -hmm. way too often women and children will get used as shields or weapons. Oh. Um, and for the, for the Iraq war specifically, and I don't know how many people have gone through this. Um, that was something that I think was purposefully done as much as possible because, um, you know, let, well, here's an example. Let's say you put a kid on the side of the road mm -hmm. and there's a military convoy coming through and the kid walks out in the middle of the road. You stop because nobody wants to hit a kid. Right. You don't want to. Right. Somebody pops up out of a building, shoots an RPG at a troop carrier, kills 10 people. Mm. All right. The alternative is you keep going Right. And the reality of that isn't any better. Right. Because then you have this thought. And at that point, you know, you don't have anybody popping up firing RPGs. So you're just like, you know, is there a child that was just in the middle of the road that I just mm. was, was. Wow. Did I, was that even self-defense? Right. Right. Or was that a kid in the road? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Wow. That's the, and those are the things that we don't think about, you know, um, I remember seeing, watching a movie 
And um, I, <clears throat> I remember a child came up to uh, some soldiers um, um, just having regular conversation and they didn't know that this little kid was strapped with a bomb and end up killing them. And you sitting there like, this is a movie, you know, maybe this is Hollywood. But then when you hear people actually uh, talk about those things happening, it's like how, you know, war Sorry. is just, I'm yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, okay, well, let's switch it up. Let's switch it up. Um, talk to us about your filming. Um, Tell us how it got started. When did that that thing hit you to where you was like, I think I want to get off into filming and uh, uh, and put, yeah. put movies or documentaries together? Well, um, like I said, I was actually in the military when this happened. So this this entire conversation ended up being about military stuff. Um, mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I think that's good. Uh, mm -hmm. So I decided that it was it was really a lot better to try to like, talk about things and and get them out in writing and have um it's called you know social commentary where you just make a comment on like the the state of your society um and uh there are a lot of ways that that happens um and there's a lot of films that inspire people mm -hmm. and you know it was really funny because when i was in high school i never thought about myself holding a camera or even owning a nice camera um okay. meanwhile like i've got a $2,500 uh, $2, photo camera sitting next to me nice. like in my passenger nice. seat right now. Right. Um, you know, and uh, uh, God, I probably own, I, I, I counted my lens collection the other day and I think I'm up to almost 50. Um, so, I mean, that, that changed, but okay. you know, I said really video production is, is the best way to get a story out there. And then the more that I learned um, about cameras and, and about like the way that they worked, uh, the more I kind of fell in love with the concept and, you know, I still direct, um, from time to time. Uh, but I love the idea of cameras because, you know, cameras, um, basically take a reading of light, whether you're doing video or whether you're doing photo, it takes a reading of the light at that point in time. So it works really very similar to the way that your eyes work, um, in that, you know, when light bounces off something, everything that's not absorbed is reflected back. And that, you know, determines like color. Mm -hmm. um, and that's pretty much the way that a, a sensor on a camera works. Okay. Um, so when you think about it, all right, if you're shooting outside, or if you're even walking around outside, and you're looking, you've got light that was created in the sun. Um, okay. Unless you're using, you know, we'll just say you're using daylight. That light takes 10,000 years to get from where it's created in the sun, that light photon, to get mm -hmm. out of the sun. That's how dense it is. Mm -hmm. And it's like eight and a half minutes to make millions of miles of journey to Earth. And then when it gets to Earth, it bounces off a car or a person or whatever else reflected into your eyes. Right. That takes less than a second. Mm. Out of that entire journey, the only thing that we concern ourselves with is the fraction of a second from when it hits a building or a wall or a person to the mm -hmm. moment that it hits your eye and you know your rods and cones uh your you know basically your eye sensor your light sensors transmit that to your brain and say okay you know there's a there's a target down the street right. <laughs> you know okay um you know or a mire or whatever uh 
And when you like that, that's, that's kind of poetic, I think in a way. Um, but I love the idea of being able to create and like shape an image to elicit an emotion. Uh, okay. And uh, I've kind of determined that like the, the way to tell whether a movie is good or not, the way to tell even whether an audience likes it or not, mm-hmm. isn't necessarily whether it's the best written or the best actor to the best, whatever it's the movie's overall ability to elicit an emotion when it's supposed to. Now, everything that's better written and better acted is going to be a lot better at that. Anything that has good cinematography, the cinematography plays a part in that too. Right. Okay. But when you, I mean, I've seen some movies that are like terrible, but I love watching them. Um, What was it? I had another, uh, a film, (laughs) a filmmaker friend of mine described Aquaman one time as the worst movie that they'd ever seen. And they loved every minute of it. Hmm. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And, um, and it's because, yeah, it was like really cheesy. There was a lot of things that I wouldn't have necessarily done, but it was really good at eliciting the emotions uh, that they wanted to. And so you can't say that it was a bad movie because, you know, whatever your opinion is, you know, it's really good at it. Um, Yeah. Gotcha. So. Wow. 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 I've been on a few sets. independent and then i've been on some real big sets uh uh, and you can patience it seems to me has to be at the top of the list because for us actors of course there's a lot of downtime to where with the crew they're always setting up they're always getting the right lenses getting the, the lights and everything together when you're in that on a set like that how do you stay motivated Um, well, I always try to find something to do if I, you know, stall out and stop working. I'm good at the hurry up. I'm not so good at the wait, you know? So like if a film set is hurry up and wait, um, and actually one of the last film sets that I was on, um, was, uh, it was, it was actually, wow. It was last year already. Um, but, uh, oh, sorry. There was. I didn't, I didn't do anything like from October to Christmas. And then I've been, Mm -hmm. anyway, um, I've been working on my own project since then, but, uh, I basically, I was, uh, I was a gaffer and, um, and like a lot of the people there were, were student films. It was a first time director. Uh, the producer was a guy who's done actually a lot of things. Um, uh, all right. Um, but the, the film was called, uh, pulling the goalie. And it was a film that was using hockey as a metaphor for male infertility. Um, mm-hmm. And it was about the, the guy who wrote it was really, you know, into hockey and had experienced this himself. Um, and it was, it was actually like a, a really good film, but a lot of people ne- didn't necessarily know, you know, like, what am I going to do? And there's all these little things that need to be done. Um, so we would have actors come in who were basically this guy's friends and maybe they're just extras, not, you know, not uh, mostly volunteers, not, you know, like veteran actors like yourself, Um, you know? uh, And uh, so they're sitting downstairs and they're trying to have like a conversation. They're trying to be as quiet as possible. They're filming, you know, upstairs and it's a three level house. So there's not a lot of separation there, not even a full wall between these things. Okay. Um, And uh, we had all this extra carpet 
that we had when we were like filming on ice, we were using it to keep people from slipping and falling. And we were done filming on the ice at that point. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to cut up this carpet and create noise dampeners so that, uh, you know, the filming goes most smoothly because you're not going to, you know, keep all these people quiet uh, for two hours, right. you know? So I would just do things like that. Um, I would, you know, take extra time to set things up uh, every now and then I'll, try to do something for the crew i remember at one point we had uh somebody who was working on the same set um mm-hmm. and uh you know they had a day job and they were doing prop stuff and they're like well i had to come here and work on this and then i have to uh go to work tomorrow morning because we were doing a lot of night filming mm-hmm. and then i have to come back here <laughs> uh the next day and then i gotta go to work right and i'm like you're gonna be wow. up for like 48 hours wow so i went out and i i bought some energy drink and the person's like, Oh, yeah. I'm really careful about what, you know, what I put into my body. And I'm like, I'll see if I can find something that's all natural. Okay. Um, you know, and, uh, and so we had to go out and, and do a lot of stuff. I was also, I was, <laughs> I was the gaffer at one time. I think it was the only, no, I was one of two grips on set at the same time. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was also working with the art department <laughs> on that yeah. film. So I had a lot of hats. Wow. Um, and so like when I was out, you know, doing stuff for the art department, I would just stop by and, and do extra stuff. Um, yeah. Wow. So I worked for 36 hours straight on that set one. I, I want to say one day, but a day and a half. And wow. uh, we got halfway through filming and they sent me home. They're like, you can't stay here. Like, you're not, you're not functional at this point. I'm like, <laughs> right. I tried. <laughs> I tried. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't be, I don't think I could do it. They find me somewhere on the table, sleep. <laughs> knocked out yeah. that's, that's a lot of hours to so not to get no sleep nobody should have to do that nobody should have to do that um you know but here's the thing uh i've always looked at things uh like if you're in a situation if you're in a bad situation um if you're capable of doing something you can do it or you can leave it to somebody else um and you know maybe this is like the the veteran in me but if i'm capable of doing something for somebody else uh to keep somebody else from having to you know unless it's directly their responsibility and they signed up for it you know Mm -hmm. that's that's something different um but if i have more experience and knowledge and i'm better able to do this then i should be the person who does this unless it's going to be detrimental some other way you know some way down the line or whatever um and you've got to keep that balanced but basically like we were in a bad situation on that set, which is why I needed to stay there for 36 hours. And I'm not, you know, trying to blame anybody or say it was a bad set or anything like that. I loved all the people there. Right. Um, but there, there were a couple of things that happened that just uh, the limitations that we were given because of the budget that we were working with. Um, and uh, you know, somebody was going to have to stay and put in extra work. I was already working three departments. They were the ones that needed work. And I said, all right, I can do this. Let's just do it. And, you know, it worked until it didn't. Yeah. 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 Wow. 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 Yeah. That's a lot of hours. So, yeah. All right. So what are some of the goals that you were set when doing video production? Um, Well, I always want to push the production uh, to the next level. And I work with a lot of really indie filmmakers. Um, I worked uh, with, uh, I don't know if you know, Ben Yaman Aki. Um, he's a Compass no. College graduate. Uh, well, he's a Compass College graduate and he's done a lot of stuff 
uh, in the Grand Rapids area. Um, but I worked with him on a project one time and he said, you know, well, we're just going to put a camera in the, in the driver's seat and, uh, or the, like the, on the dashboard and we're just going to drive. And I'm like, well, you know, is that going to give you steady footage? Is that going to, you know, do we have a lens that's wide enough? And he's all like, well, this is what we have. And my response is, you know, I've got a car rig in my car. I, you know, I just happen to have it. Let's rig it up and we'll shoot through the windshield. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that ended up being what we went with. And, you know, he'd never done a car rig before. At that point, I had just gotten it. I hadn't either. I wanted to try it out. Um, and it, it turned out really well. Um, you know, and it was a learning experience, uh, for what, what works with that and what doesn't. But I think the footage that we got out of that would have been better than if you would, you know, try to stick a lens, like the widest angle lens that you have, uh, in that vehicle and, you know, hopefully still captured a good view of the person's face without having the steering wheel in the way. Um, we just had a lot more control. Um, so if I'm working, you know, if I'm like the DP, it's, it's something like that. Um, I also want to provide lenses and equipment or recommend them uh, that will help get the overall goal. Um, and I know there was some talk about like vintage lenses and stuff mm-hmm. uh, on that sheet that I sent you. Um, yep. One of the reasons, yeah, I own at this point, I think I'm working on my sixth set of vintage lenses. Um, and for, for two reasons, one, um, you know, vintage lenses, uh, a lot of times you get, you know, the effect of that old glass, which I could get into the technical specs of it and, and why it's like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't want to take up, you know, too much of your time here with, with technical talk, but mm-hmm. basically suffice it to say that like vintage lenses for certain reasons, um, they're as good as the glass that, that we make today. Um, mm-hmm. The only thing is because they're hand ground, there are minor imperfections, which you, you know, oftentimes are pleasing to the eye and they look mm-hmm. more filmic. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other reason is because, uh, you know, they're oftentimes less expensive than a modern lens. And if you get, you know, just as good of an image, there's no reason not to use them, but the reason to use them and to use something like that would be different lens manufacturers have different characteristics that they put in their lenses. So if somebody comes to me and says, I want to make a horror movie, I'll be like, okay, well, my Nikons have a little bit less saturation uh, in them when you shoot. Like, I feel like the color is a little bit dull. It flattens things out. It just has a grittier look. So, you know, let's use this set of Nikon lenses um, you know, we'll adapt them for your camera. Um, and you know, bam, we have a set of lenses that are specific to the look that we want. Okay. You know, um, Canon lenses tend to be a lot brighter. Uh, I would say, uh, I've got a set of Sologors. Nobody has ever heard of that company, but it's kind of a creamier look. Um, and I'm working on a set of Zeiss, uh, glass right now that, Um, I don't know how to describe the look of that except for magical. Really? (laughs) It's just beautiful. I mean, it's Zeiss. So. Wow. Wow. So how do you, okay. You're you're doing a film. I guess if like, if it was a Western or something like that, I think I could kind of figure out, okay, the, the type of look that you would want with that. But I guess you got to have an eye for it, but. Uh, say it, it, 
you're in a barn or something, what would be the look that you would go for? What would be the lens that you, okay, we need this lens to get this type of look. How would that work? Um, it depends on the exact look that you're going for. Uh, one film that I worked on, again, this was with Ben Yaman Aki. Um, it was the story of these kids were playing in a barn and they had like a, was it a locket or a pocket watch? I forget which one. Um, but they found it in like an old toolbox and it came to represent, uh, their, um, their family bonds. And, okay. uh, you know, so it was, it was a story where there was kind of like a magical look in, into the mind of a child playing pirate. And, um, you know, so for that, I'd say we want something a little bit brighter, um, probably, uh, I would say try to keep to wider lenses just because in, in the mind of a child, everything is going to be a little bit bigger. Mm -hmm. um, if I could, I'd want a haze machine uh, because you can get lights coming in through like the barn. If it's an okay. old barn. Right. Um, and, you know, you could also put a beam of light, you know, something a little subtle, not like super bright, not like, you know, spotlight or bat signal type, mm -hmm. but um you know, shining on it so that you have, you know, a brighter toolbox than, okay. you know, any of the other surroundings. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, I would say probably a set of cannons or Nikons at this point in time, I'd probably recommend the, uh, the Zeiss glass just because I think that it makes everything look amazing. Um, okay. Nice. You know, nice. yeah. Nice. Nice. Okay, well, tell us a little bit about your uh, some of the projects you're working on, or we should uh, uh, look out for uh, when we when we look you up on social media. All right. Um. So recently, uh, well, I don't want to say this is recent. This is a couple of years ago, but this is one award since then. Um, all right, and uh, it was with Robert Rappaport was the producer on this, but it was called uh, "Coming Up from Air," "Coming Up for Air." And it had a lot to do with like mental illness. Mm -hmm. um, all right. I was, I'm listed as just, I think, a, a grip on that. Um, but when they were doing reshoots, uh, I ended up being gaffer for all of the reshoots, which was interesting because the lighting style was already determined. And my job was to try to mimic the lighting of all those scenes. Mm -hmm. um, okay. But uh, it's won some awards since then. Uh, I would look that up. Nice. Um, the, uh, the first like motion picture that I ever worked on, and I don't know why I feel the need to like throw a, a shout out to it. Um, but it was, it was from Rich Brower up in the Traverse city area. And it was, uh, dog man to wrath of the litter. Um, okay. so like, uh, yeah. So like a, kind of like a, a B horror movie type thing. Right. Um, but Rich Brower is a great guy. He treats his uh, crew amazingly. Um, okay. And I just liked the way that he was on set. So, you know, anything that that has his name on it, uh, I will promote. Um, Robert was also uh, a really great guy. Um, so I already mentioned uh, pulling the goalie. Um, the projects that I'm working on currently, I've been working on Indigo Blood for years and COVID stalled all of that. Uh, yeah. we, we were getting ready to film and then we had to shut everything down. Um, I, me and the producer have since had uh, some creative differences on 
what we wanted to do with that. Okay. Uh, and we've, we've parted ways. Um, so I am looking for, I kind of have, I'm talking to a couple people about producing that. And actually uh, the, the way that that was going to work is Indigo Blood was a short film supposed to be part of, uh, if you've ever seen Four Rooms by Tarantino and Rodriguez and a couple other indie directors. Okay. I know Tarantino. All, I'm not familiar yeah. with that movie. No. <clears throat> so they had four indie directors and they all wrote their own story that took place in this hotel. Okay. Um, and each one was a different room. And uh, they all shot and directed their own. And then they put it together. It was supposed to be a story kind of like that. Hmm. Um where it would have been each of us telling our own stories and it fit like an overarching storyline. So um, I had to take Indigo out of that. Um, and uh, I was, I was really sad to do so. And then I had to rewrite some things, but now it's going to be three different stories and I'm looking for um, I'm actually looking for another writer because uh, I've got Indigo blood. Trevor Norkey just, fi uh, just finished Navy blood mm -hmm. um, or at least one draft of it. Uh, and I'm still looking for, you know, I, I could do it myself, but that kind of defeats the purpose um, of another story written in that world, kind of. And I've got a couple basic ideas of of what it could be or things that would fit, you know, that storyline. Um, and I just have to figure out if I'm going to write it myself. But I have a couple people looking at producing that. Um, and there's been so much uh, good publicity about that. I, I want to thank everybody who's you know, said anything about that because, you know, but it's been, it's been so many years. Uh, you know, I just, I'm kind of glad that I took it out on my own. Um, let me see what else. Uh, I worked on Chronicle recently and that's something that uh, Bill Kraft has been working on. Okay. Um, and I only had a very small part on his set. I, I, I think they're probably going to list me as a PA, um, okay. but it was my first time working with them and, and we didn't really know, you know, what, what we were doing. I didn't know their shooting style. They have a very quick uh, shooting style. So I'm glad I got to see it before I, you know, jumped into camera work or lighting for it. Right. Um, but uh, so that has a lot to do with like veterans and getting out of uh, the war as well. And like trying to come back to civilian life. Mm -hmm. um, and he, he's also a veteran. This is a big passion for him. Um, and that's through the company name Phoenix. I want to say Phoenix Entertainment or Phoenix Films, um, but it's it's Phoenix something. Okay. Uh, and I'm doing a terrible job of of giving him, uh, you know, a bump for that. But okay. Uh, I I would say check it out. I would say check it out. Um, you know, if you see it and and follow Bill Craft because he's a really great guy too. Um, and then uh, my own stuff that I'm working on. So I mentioned Indigo. I'm working on a couple of things right now. Um, and there's supposed to be two TV series set in the same world. Um, they're kind of like more, I want to say like the CW type of things where I think they'll probably appeal to teenagers and young adults. Mm -hmm. All right. But um, like the, the coolest thing, my, my favorite thing about this is one of them. Um, I have this, uh, this character who was like really bullied in schools and, um, and I want him to be like an autistic character. I'm trying to figure out how to write something that's authentic. But the the little thing is, all right, he's a big science fiction, like fantasy fan. Um, 
you know, maybe because of the escapism. And uh, when he gets nervous and he's thrown in all these, these situations where he has to fight and there's like a supernatural theme to the story. Uh, but he talks in like references, like instead of trying to express himself normally, you know, like, you know, he might, um, he might drop a line for uh, from like serenity or the expanse or star Trek or Lord of the Rings. Um, or, you know, if you're, a fan of uh you know stuff that's been on amazon lately you've got uh well you know any of their shows uh the wheel of time and they're coming out with the lord of the ring show and, and basically something like that um you know all all of that stuff and uh and i just i love references i love i love those like little easter egg references right. so i'm i'm hoping if this gets picked up there'll be like a whole like subreddit page just talking about all the different references. And it's like, is this an actual reference or is this something that just, I saw right. in there? Right. You know, um, nice. I'd also like to, to create like a positive uh, autistic character because I don't think that's something that is done so much in TV nowadays. Um, mm -hmm. In fact, I've, I've actually, I, I got the idea because I started, stumbling on threads and people talking about these characters that they're like you know if they were autistic it would really really explain these behaviors that, that they had and i'm like okay. huh, it's never really like do, does anybody do that on purpose right you right. know right so um so that's the thing and i'm still doing research on that i'm actually world building i'm hoping to build an rpg based off of that as well so every time i you know i'm building the world i'm actually creating like okay we've got supernatural so these are the races <laughs> this is the system of magic and i'm like oh if i was going to put this in our rpg terms this right. is how i would you know create like a, a turn-based system um right. we'll see how that works right. <laughs> we'll see how that works but right. i am excited about it i am excited about it good Nice, 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 nice. Well, I, I appreciate you coming on. I won't take up all of your time. Uh, I appreciate you sh sharing your story. Um, try not to get you to tears because I know, you know, you talk about certain things. And like I said, I have people in my family who, you know, have experienced some of those things. And it's it's pretty tough to talk about. So I appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. And uh, so... <clears throat> give us all your information where we can locate you, whether it's dealing with film, where people might want to contact you dealing with your, with the, uh, with the uh, vets, or, you know, they might be reaching out for help. Where, where could they locate you at? All right. Um, well, so for the VFW national home, um, if you want to learn more about that, uh, so it is, Man, I should I should have the website on me, but I think it's vfwnationalhome.org. Um, all right, uh, you know, just go there. That's where our, that's where our email is. So it's it's I'm almost positive it's vfwnationalhome.org. And mm -hmm. I mean, I would have this in front of me, but you can see I'm sitting in my car right now. Right, um, right. We have no we have no like service out there. The internet is really kind of right. rough. So, um, but. Uh, you know, that's something we're going to be fixing soon. If you want to look at my stuff, I want to let you guys know, first of all, I am terrible uh, at social media. Every time I've tried to start doing social media stuff, I'm always like, I could either be recording myself doing this or I could be doing it. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm terrible with that. I'm going to hire somebody for it soon. But um, okay. I have um, visionary media. Um, 
I have a Visionary Media Facebook page. I have visionarymedia.video where you can email me. Um, and then I have uh, travismandenberg.com. And Mandenberg, uh, if anybody needs to know, is spelled Mike Alpha November, Delta Echo November, Bravo Echo Romeo Golf. So M-A-N-D-E-N-B-E-R-G. Hmm. Um, and uh, I'm like the only Travis Mandenberg in the world. So... <laughs> Um, right. Yeah, seriously, if you look me up on Facebook, you'll see my actual account and then yeah. one that I accidentally made somehow <laughs> that I can't even get into anymore. Wow. 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 <laughs> and that's, that's like, there's not. That's rare. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The only Travis Mandenberg on the book. <laughs> right. Right. That's rare. Um, yeah. Nice. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And anything else, uh, you know, just email me. Just email me and, um, I'll check that out. I'll get back to you. Um, and, you know, we should talk because mm-hmm. uh, I actually I'm working on a short film that I didn't even get to talk about. Um, it's one of the things I'm writing right now. And I was actually wondering if you wouldn't uh, be a pretty decent fit for some, but uh, for some of the characters, well, one of the characters in there. Nice. Um, and okay. uh, and I'd like to talk to you about that if you've got some time. OK, OK. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You got my number. So give me a call at any time, man. And uh, yeah, let's let's talk about it. And. And, and figure this thing out. So, yeah, I'm definitely with that. Without a doubt, I'm definitely yeah. with that. So, yeah, I appreciate you coming through, man. I appreciate you sharing your story. And, uh, yeah, we're going to keep in contact, and we're going to do this again real soon, man. And, All right. Yep. Shout out to Jason Sharp for uh, uh, connecting us again. Uh, he was actually the one who, uh, when we first met and we did that uh, independent movie, he was the one who told me about it and was like, you know, uh, come on. I think you'd be a perfect fit for this. So shout out to Jason for, uh, you were amazing in that, by the way, I didn't appreciate it. Thank you. I wish we would have talked about that a little bit more because I remember shooting that day and you know, like I wasn't even, (laughs) I wasn't even like listed on the crew before that day. They were borrowing my stuff and their I guess their DP didn't show up and they're like, you got a couple of minutes here. I was all like, yeah, I'm free. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, but, but I was really, really impressed because, you know, I know that that was something that they were doing extracurricular uh, while they were all going to film school. Mm-hmm. And I saw, you know, I saw you, I saw the level of actors that they had. Um, mm-hmm. I saw the level of uh, organization and preparedness and mm-hmm. uh, it was, it was a great shoot. Yeah. Yeah. It turned out good. It did. I seen it. I think I've seen it a couple of times and uh <clears throat> Uh, yeah, I was, I was, I was impressed and I was hoping that y'all would keep that nucleus together. Uh, sometimes it don't work yeah. that way, but, but I thought y'all as a crew, uh, did a really good job. So hopefully maybe one well, day we can wanna... do something. Yeah. Well, if any of them want to reach out for me, the reason that we didn't is because, um, like we were all at compass college at that time and I jumped a class. So I started with a class that, you know, they had like a two year program, but I'd already had a film degree from Grand Valley and I'd been in the industry for years. Um, but the, the VA was all like, well, let's put you through, you know, more film school and more training. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. Um, and so like, it took me two years to get a four year degree. And I graduated, I graduated valedictorian actually. Nice. Um, but 
I was really barely there when they were there at all. Like they were all in their, you know, their first stages of, of learning. Right. And uh, everybody that I'd started with was like in their second where they were able to, to kind of like reach back and, and start like helping them and working with them. And meanwhile, I had like skipped over that. And I was with like a whole bunch of people who didn't even know me because uh, they had started before I did. Mm -hmm. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, hopefully uh, uh, I keep in touch with Jason and then a um, uh, couple other people that were on the set. Uh, we follow each other on Facebook and stuff. So I get a chance to kind of yeah. see what they're doing today. Um, so anything's possible, you know, anything's possible, yeah. but, we, but I definitely want to talk to you about what you got coming up and, uh, hopefully we can, uh, tie that thing together and, and, and put some more work in. So, yeah. So yeah, works. I got your number in my phone. So, uh, anytime you're ready to call, uh, let's talk about it and see if we can put this thing together. All right. Perfect. Perfect. And, uh, you know, for you, like anytime you've got a project, you need some help. Um, okay. I would love to work with you again as well. So definitely beautiful, beautiful. All right. Sounds good. All right. Sounds I good. Could talk all, yeah. I yeah. can talk all day. <laughs> it's a problem I have. I'm going to let uh, you go, but thank you hey. for the opportunity. Oh, no. And I appreciate you coming on and we're going to do this again. And we're going to talk about some of those other things that we didn't get to talk about today. So you have a wonderful day and I'll talk with you soon, bro. You too. Okay. Take care. Peace. Yeah. Peace.